0: You are listening to episode 73 of the Master Your Mind, Business, and Life podcast. I swear, I don't know if it's because we're just coming out of a recent Mercury retrograde or if it's the holiday stress, but I am hearing of so many relationships on the rocks right now or they've already ended. A breakup, whether it's from a short-term partner or a long-term partner, it can be downright heartbreaking. Healing from that at times, can seem impossible. But today's guest, licensed marriage and family therapist, Kristen Boyce, is here to guide us on how to begin the healing process after a breakup. If anything resonates with you during this episode, I invite you to share it. Whether you're sharing it with me on social media at MindBizLife or sharing the episode with friends or family, as you know, sharing is how we grow. But more importantly, you just never know who may need to hear this message. Just think, you sharing this episode could be exactly what one of your loved ones needs to hear. Something to think about as we dive into this conversation. Are You ready? You know what to do. Tune in. Turn it up. Let's go.
1: You're listening to Master Your Mind, Business and Life. Conversations with everyday world shifters, truth seekers, and rule breakers. Here's your host, Lauren Smith.
0: Hey everyone, it's Lauren Smith. Welcome back to another episode. Today's guest is Kristen Boyce. Kristen is a licensed marriage and family therapist, close the chapter podcast host, and owner of Pathways to Healing Counseling. Kristen specializes in improving self-worth, helping couples and families resolve conflicts and develop powerful communication skills, effective parenting strategies, make life transitions, grief and loss, reducing anxiety and working through trauma. And most importantly, she instills hope and helps you create possibilities. Hi, Kristen. Welcome to the show. Lovely having you join me today. Thank you so much
1: for having me. I'm thrilled to be here with you.
0: We're diving into a topic that I think just about every audience member can relate to, and that's relationships, but more specifically breakups. But before we dig a little bit deeper into this topic, I'd love to learn a little bit more about you. What pulled you towards marriage and families as your focus?
1: I am, that's a great question. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I own a private practice. And what drew me to work with, particularly, I work with individuals, families, and couples. And what drove me to do that is my parents got divorced when I was in third grade. And so I was very motivated to not repeat patterns and break kind of generational cycles. And of course, had to go through my own journey in relationships and breakups. And to find the right partner was about doing deeper work. It's really about connecting to what lies within your patterns, your unconscious conditioning, your, the programming we got as kids. So important to dive into that. And that's really what inspired me to become a therapist. Mm, I love that you used your
0: childhood as your fuel or your motivation because so many times in the show we come back to childhood, and just how many times it reflects and comes up in our adult life. So I I love that that was part of your motivation and, and what called you to do this.
1: Yes, I have a keen curiosity for people why they are the way they are, and that also every day is a new day. Every person has a story and has kind of experiences that have shaped them. So I love finding out more about who people are and why they are the way they are.
0: Mm. Let's dive more into the whys because I think when it comes to relationships and ending a relationship, a why can always come up in so many different scenarios. But it's been a while since I've gone through a breakup but I can almost effortlessly go back to the pain that it brought on. So healing seems like it's an ongoing process, but many don't even know where to start. So where do we begin when it comes to healing
1: after a breakup? This is one of the most important pieces that I think people skip. And we have to go through the grief of the breakup. A lot of us don't want to go through the grief, or we feel like we get stuck in the grief. And part of that looks like going through the anger, going through the sadness, working through the fear, and I spent a lot of time kind of deconstructing why you chose the person you chose. What was the motivator for being with this person? What did you originally like in them and maybe didn't want to see at the beginning when it's the honeymoon phase? Or maybe you didn't see it because they hit it. Or they, you know, when we're in the honeymoon phase, we release all this dopamine and Um, chemicals that that really help us to have kind of a euphoric feeling. And so we're not really dialed into somebody's habitual patterns or maybe what we would quote unquote say negative characteristics that might not be a good match for us. So it's really deconstructing a lot of how did you show up in the relationship? And But more importantly and most importantly is walking through the grief, not numbing it, not stuffing it, um, not trying to make it go away. We've got to move through it to get to the other side of it. So mm. it's spending some time journaling, letting those feelings out, uh, crying, and giving yourself permission to have your feelings. Some, some people struggle with having anger or sadness. And they try to move away from that. And when we can just allow what's there to be there, that's how we begin the healing process. Hmm.
0: Do you find that When maybe one partner moves on really quickly after a relationship and the other one stays single for a while afterwards, does that that second person who's staying single, do they tend to grieve that relationship more or what makes a person jump right into another one afterwards? Because I feel like those are – I see that a lot within my friends. One partner goes into another relationship. Next one is single for years and years and years.
1: Yeah, I th- I think sometimes what people can do is be habitual kind of a love addicted mm. and so they have these habitual patterns where they don't want to be alone so they'll jump ship and go to the next person without taking the time to grieve through that relationship. Now, some people grieve that relationship while they're in the relationship. I always tell people and I I don't like to use the word always and never, but in <laughs> a lot of these cases I'm like, take a pause, deconstruct. And when someone's kind of unconscious, they'll just move to the next relationship and they will repeat patterns. It looks like it's all in a different package and they're like, oh, this person's so different. And when they peel the layers back, it's really very similar patterns, but in a different package. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have second marriages that have a higher divorce rate, 70% divorce rate, because a lot of people don't do the work of deconstructing and healing and grieving that first relationship. So oftentimes when I see someone jump pretty quickly to another one, it's a little bit of a red flag that they haven't paused and done that deeper work to not repeat patterns. Mm, that's huge. It really is. And it's something that you don't think about
0: yeah, very often. Because it's almost like you're then bleeding into your next relationship. Like from exactly. exactly. And not
1: even conscious of it sometimes right? because we think, oh, this is great. And I love this person and we're soulmates and it feels so different. And yet when it's six months, a year, two years in, they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't really see this because they didn't pause and have enough self-awareness of why they picked the person they picked. Mm. They're just going kind of unconsciously through the process of picking a mate and they feel like, oh, I feel so much better that I have somebody versus is this the person that is the healthiest, best fit for me? Yeah. Do you think that people even know consciously what a healthy relationship is? Oftentimes, I don't think they do because what we've modeled for us or what Hollywood presents in the movies, I want it like you complete me. I'm like, no, I oh, want to yeah. blow that up. because <laughs> We have this movie, this fantasy of what we think it is, and it's not that. So when people come into couples therapy and they've been married 25 years and they're like, yeah, I want a divorce now. Well, they never really had deep connection. They never had difficult conversations and they say, well, we never fought. And I'm like, Ooh, red flag. Mm. That means you didn't really be able to go to the hard places and how to work through it is oftentimes people don't have the tools. And I'm always like, read books, listen to podcasts, go to therapy, get the tools. So you know what a healthy relationship looks like. Get realistic about your expectations because what happens is a lot of people pick relationships based on unmet needs mm. from what they didn't get as kids. So if we look at the needs like physical touch, words of affirmation, these are all Gary Chapman's in the five love languages book, um, quality time, we did, maybe it's um, gifts or those acts of service, you know, really those are based on unmet needs. And so when we meet someone for the first time and we feel this physical connection, perhaps that's because we didn't get get enough physical touch as a child. We didn't get hugs and cuddles. We didn't get rocked as a baby. I mean, I can deconstruct all this. But oftentimes we pick someone based on these unmet needs and what this idealized version of what we think a healthy relationship looks like based on these movies we've seen that are not realistic.
0: Do you think those unmet needs can also trigger a person to stay in a toxic relationship? Like perhaps it's not good in one area, but a need is being met in another area?
1: Absolutely. I think when we think, well, they are wonderful, you know, they 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 are great with, they cook dinner and they vacuum the carpet, which is acts of service and they they're caretakers, but yet, emotionally they're not available that is so they kind of rationalize it's not that bad well what is the core issue what is the unmet need within your yourself because we can't change another person we only can do the work within ourselves and that's what I invite all couples to do is look at your own unmet needs get self-aware Start understanding what you didn't get. And oftentimes what people will come in is they'll say, I had, a, I had a pretty good childhood or they didn't have a good childhood at all. So they have a, they don't understand what unmet needs they didn't get. And how they find out is through another relationship. And what they crave from the other person is typically what they didn't get. So if someone is craving emotional connection, like can you just acknowledge my feelings and say, I get you're sad. It's okay to have your feelings. It's probably because they didn't get that as a kid. And then they go out and they try to pick somebody that's going to give them that emotional availability. Well, guess what? They didn't get it either. Mm. This other person you've picked, they didn't get that either. So they don't know how to give it to you. Right. So they don't know how to give that. They didn't get a validation. They didn't get acknowledgement for their feelings. So they don't know how to do it for you. So I teach people how to give it to themselves and then it's icing on the cake when they proactively come to therapy, they learn the tools and they have enough self-awareness to know, oh, this is really tapping into my unmet need of someone not seeing me emotionally, not letting me have my feelings or disciplining me out of my feelings. So I stuffed it down. I numbed it out. I ate my feelings. I drank my feelings. I shopped my feelings and we can start breaking patterns, but it starts with the self-awareness. It starts with the person recognizing their own unmet needs. That's how we begin. Not starting with your partner and going, well, you're not doing this, this, and this. It starts with yourself. And I feel
0: like that's so easy after a breakup to just list everything the partner did wrong. I think it is so much easier to be like, they did this and they didn't do this, and, you know, and just absolutely point the finger when – as you're talking, it, we just need to point the finger back at ourselves, not to say the other person's behavior wasn't hurtful or bad or wasn't aiding in the growth of the relationship. But you kind of have to take your own power back in that moment and look inward and say, okay, where wasn't I my best self? And what do I need help on?
1: And acknowledge your feelings mm-hmm. that – your own feelings over the breakup. Because yeah. we can't change him or her, that ship sailed. I have zero power over that. I can empower myself to say it's okay for me to have my feelings over this breakup. And what what unmet need was I trying to fill with this other person that was not that didn't have it to give? So right. I need to figure that out for myself, so I can work on healing that. So then I picks I'm more self aware, and I will notice how I feel. When I'm with someone else, and it's not their responsibility to meet our needs. This is another myth I blow up that the partner is not responsible for filling our unmet needs. I'm responsible for filling my own unmet needs. And that's icing on the cake when we can do that for each other. But I wanna pick someone that has a growth mindset. I wanna pick someone. So, what I did when my own breakups, I realized, oh, I'm picking people that don't really have a growth mindset, that aren't as motivated to do their deeper work. I want someone very motivated to do this work, to identify some of their own triggers, and they're, they're thirsty for that. That's what creates healthy relationships, is both people wanting to grow and evolve and heal and be the best version of themselves, but they're willing to, to acknowledge where they have wounds. That was the differentiator for me picking someone very healthy. They were willing, are they perfect? Absolutely not. Am I perfect? No. They were willing to look at those unmet needs and do the work. Mm. So two months into dating, I'm like, okay, we're going to marriage therapy. He's like, what? (laughs) And that was my signal to say, okay, you're you're somebody I could be with because you have a willingness to take a look at your own stuff
0: right that's huge
1: it's it's the key to successful marriages because i've done this for over 20 years and what i find is the healthiest most productive relationships are the ones that really want to grow they want to evolve they want to heal the deeper stuff and they will own it so if they have a trigger they will say, hey, you know what, that, that was really, I really had this movie playing out that you are going to, when I said I was sad about something that you were going to acknowledge that and you didn't. And so I feel sad now and I can ask for what I need. So I can say, hey, would you, I really need you to kind of just, you don't need to fix it. You don't need to tell me what to do, You know how to fix it. I just need to just say, hey, that makes sense. You feel that way. I'm saying what I need directly and specifically. So then the partner goes, oh, okay, yeah, I can do that. It's not a game. It's not, well, you failed the test. I have told you 50 times what I need and you didn't do it. It sets the dynamic up that this person now has to be so responsible to make you feel better. Mm. Mm. A lot of vulnerability there. A lot of vulnerability, a lot of insight, a lot of Understanding yourself. So when we do have a breakup, that's an opportunity to do this. Really, that's an awakening time. I I like to call it an awakening time. It's it's hard. It's painful. It's lonely at times, and we feel kind of tortured inside at times. And it's a time to say, "Oh, this is my opportunity to find healing. This is my opportunity to start working on some of these deeper pieces, so I can pick a healthy partner." Right. Right. What
0: about those people who I like to call the the makeup breakup couple? You know, they're always, (laughs) it's like a (laughs) Tom and Jerry type of thing where they're just back and forth, back and forth. Why do they keep going back to that person only to break up again and and repeat the cycle, what seems like for eternity?
1: That's an excellent question. And you will see those couples. And a lot of times those couples are stuck developmentally at a certain age. Mm. So those people might have had, let's say, let's say they had a trauma and a trauma doesn't have to be something majorly significant, but let's say a parent died or parents got divorced or, you know, there was some abandonment by a parent uh, along the lines, or perhaps the marriage just wasn't real safe. They, their parents' marriage wasn't real safe. So there, that's a really, so that can be a defense so what happens is you hurt me, I'm out of here, you know, and then we go, oh, well, I am I, sorry now, I wanna get back. And what happens is those people are typically, uh, we can all get in our inner child, but they're stuck in an inner child place. It's not the adult making those, the, those decisions of make up, break up. It's the inner child saying, hey, I am trying to protect myself here, so I'm out, we're done. And mm. then the inner child says, but I still want you to love me. I still want you to accept me. I still want to be with you because I feel better when we are together. You know, this whole, you know, fear of being by ourselves or fear of the, really the fear kind of motivates us to go back. Right. And so it becomes kind of a habitual pattern. And sometimes that is repeating a pattern that we saw in our in childhood. And oftentimes it's that those unmet needs. That cause us to create that cycle. Hmm.
0: I love that, and it's it's so powerful too to just keep going back to that childhood self. But you're the 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 adult now who saw that she didn't want to repeat what your parents lived out. But a lot of people are repeating those same relationships. Um, why is that? Like, why could, why just sometimes we look and say, oh, I don't want to be like my parents, right? Like, I don't I don't want to have the relationship they have. And then you find yourself in the exact same relationship as they were in or like the same scenarios.
1: Yes, because it's so conditioned. It's our normal. Mm. We don't really know any different. That was how we grew up. That was our normal. So in a unconscious way, we're comfortable with that. I mean, and we are comfortable, but not comfortable, if that makes sense. We don't like it, but we know it. So mm. our brain says, oh, I know this pattern. I know how this goes. And we're not even conscious of it. We're right. so in- We want so much to break a pattern. We're like, I'll never be like my mom or dad. And that's why people, when they come into therapy, they're like, yeah, I want to skip all the childhood stuff. Let's just talk about what's happening now. And I'm like, well. <laughs> no. That's kind of like band-aiding the situation because you we can't just do, we have to put the puzzle pieces together. We have to deconstruct so you have more insight and awareness so you can feel empowered to break the pattern. Because we live, we, we sleepwalk through our lives. I mean, mm-hmm. we just get up, we do our routine, we pick partners unconsciously. We just when we know better and we have the information, then we awaken to make different choices mm. then we awaken to pick a different partner but if we're just kind of going through the pattern and we're 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 defended meaning we're not really connected to what lies within we will unconsciously absolutely pick very similar pattern to our childhood even though it might look a different package it's it's just habitually conditioned within us mm. we can break the cycle that's the beautiful part of what I love about therapy and doing work, we can absolutely break the cycle and it is possible. And I've seen it so many times where people come in and they're in a breakup and they have no hope that they'll ever be with anybody again. They're like, I'm, this is it. I'm, this is my sentence. And I say, let's forget the looking at the future and let's start with you right here, right now and heal This grief, not only of this relationship, but maybe of some of your childhood stuff. And when I create the safety, it's okay to have your feelings, it's okay. They then start the healing process because Mm we are afraid to feel because we think we're going to get stuck in it and we won't be able to function. And we can't go to work and then we can't get to do the kids. And the reality is, not feeling is actually what's keeping people stuck. Mm. It's hard to feel. Yeah. yeah. People get scared about it because we weren't allowed to feel oftentimes as children and feelings last 90 seconds. They're like waves. right? They come and go. But if we do not allow the feeling or we stuff it or we numb it or we move away from it, that's what keeps us looping in -hmm. our head. That's what keeps us in anxiety and shame saying, I'm not good enough. I'm defective. Something's wrong with me. Or maybe guilt about our choices. That's Shame is really about self and guilt is really about our choices. Mm. And so oftentimes if we don't do the feeling work, we will stay stuck in secondary, which are inhibitory emotions, which is shame, guilt, and anxiety. And so I, I really work on giving people permission um, that it's okay to feel because oftentimes it wasn't okay to feel as mm-hmm. a child in our home. It wasn't okay. Mom wasn't going to be okay with it or dad or our primary caregiver. And so we're really reprogramming this, what, what I would call that keeps us stuck, yeah. this, this dysfunctional stance on emotion. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we see a lot of people on social media numbing out to that and shopping and you know the stuff because we think, well, I'll lose the weight, I'll get the husband or wife and then I'll be successful, then I'll feel better. Then yeah. they're in my office going, Well, I'm a millionaire. I've got the all the stuff and I'm still miserable. Cause it didn't fix what lied within. It didn't it didn't work because it was it's such a deeper process. Right. There's so
0: many people that think like, Oh, I don't know what a millionaire would have to be upset about. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, well, as we know, money doesn't really get every, get you everything. It can't get that internal happiness or worth or the, am I enough? You know, there may be millionaires who are still striving to feel enough and that's why they feel the, the motivation to keep hustling and trying to think
1: that money is going to fill that void within. So. Yeah. They think I'll feel worthy and then I'll feel like I matter and then I'll feel like I'm somebody. Right. Then I'll feel like I am somebody and I feel special. I feel important. And what we realize is it's an inside job. Mm-hmm. It's an inside job. It's not an outside job, it's an inside job. So, there are also these
0: people who, after they've, they've made or had gone through a breakup, and they start making excuses for the other person's hurtful behavior. Why is that? Why do we use that as almost like a defense mechanism?
1: We're so afraid of being alone, mm. in my opinion. We are so afraid to we think, well, this is the best I can do. I deserve this. So if someone's riddled with a lot of shame of them feeling like something's wrong with them and they're not good enough, they're going to rationalize. Well, they had a bad childhood or, well, they, they're not like that all the time. Well, they, you know, they really do mean well, they're just really stressed out. And so instead of recognizing the reality that's, that this is who, you know, it's that whole Maya Angelou quote, when, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. Yes. We are so mired in our unworthiness and our unlovability and our defectiveness that we think this is the best I got. Mm. It's not that bad. Oh, well, they have it worse. You know, this person, at least they're not doing this, that, or the other. And when we start doing that, that's a red flag. That's a red flag to say, oh, I'm my inner child's online saying this is the best I can do in my, it's a call to work on the fear. It's a call to work on taking your power back and working through the shame um, of working through this piece, this belief that I'm, I'm not enough, because if we don't work through that, that will run the show picking most of your relationships, picking the job you're in, picking how you parent, because we'll be looking to other people to say, do you think I'm enough? Do you think I'm lovable? Do you, do you like me? Do I have enough likes on Facebook and social media? And it will be an empty well. And the call is to work on healing those, those parts that say, I can't be alone, to say, I can handle this. I can absolutely handle this. I am enough. We work on those beliefs and we work on that deeper piece to get to the place where you say, I can handle this. I can handle my feelings. I can tolerate the stillness. I can tolerate, you know, being by myself. I can tolerate these uncomfortable feelings of grief. Mm-hmm. That's what we work on. I can handle that. Because when we think I can't handle it, I can't tolerate it, we do things to move away from what will help us grow and heal.
0: Mm. So true. Do you have any um, actionable, I don't, I don't want to say like quick, <laughs> because I, I know this is a process in itself, but actionable steps that we can take to, to start this healing process, to kind of ignite it?
1: Yes, the first thing I tell people is, and and they're like, "Oh my gosh, you know, we're gonna have to do this." I'm like, "Yep, this is the first thing I do in therapy, is I literally have them put their feet on the ground, have them breathe through their nose, out their mouth, as if they're cooling soup or cooling a cookie." I love to do this with kids too, is teaching them to calm the nervous system down so we can rest and digest. Instead of being in fight, flight, or freeze, we've got to learn that I can handle what comes up with the feelings. And I invite people to do this every hour Mm. for the next 21 days. And I I know you're like, that's a lot. Yep. Because I'm trying to reprogram the brain to Mm. calm. I've got to slow things down. Feel your feet on the ground. Breathe and repeat. And that's how we get out of our loops in our head because the thinking. Is what keeps us into anxiety. And if I can help people shift into the body, I help them learn how to deal with the feelings and be able to handle them. So that's Mm -hmm. number one. Number two, so that's you're going to do that every hour, 21 days. Number two is starting to um, notice what your body is telling you. So if you get, let's say you get a stomach ache or you get a headache or you've got, you know, your shoulders are really tight or you've got lower back pain, I say, breathe into those places in your body. And then I ask him what emotion lies there. And I give them a cheat sheet so people can write this down. I give them the seven core emotions. If you've seen this from Inside Out, um, the movie, the Disney movie, yes. Inside Out, <laughs> big fan, big fan. Because it's based on neuroscience. It's a cheat sheet. So I give them here's the core emotions. Write these down fear, anger, sadness, disgust, which shocks people sometimes, but disgust is on there, Um, excitement, joy. And excitement was not in the movie, and sexual excitement is not in the movie for obvious reasons. That would have changed the (laughs) (laughs) storyline just a wee bit. So I have them notice what that body sensation is telling them. So let's say my stomach is in a, like, not, I know I'm in fear. It's like, Mm. okay. And then I have them breathe into that place, feel their feet on the floor, say they can handle it. The second thing, or the third thing is, we've got the feel your feet on the floor and breathe every hour. Second thing is identify that core emotion. And the third thing is write it out to get it out. Mm. A lot of people do not like to write. I'm like, you got to write it out to get it out. Otherwise, we're not releasing what lies within. So we've got to write out, what am I feeling? Write out that core emotion. Kind of get curious about it. I feel sad because, I love that prompt. I, let's say you identify it's sadness. I feel sad because, fill in the sentence. Um, the fifth thing, so those are some practical, real quick strategies and then if you feel like there's more there, I'm, as you know, a big proponent in finding a good therapist, mm-hmm. because there's nothing more important than investing in working on this deeper stuff so you don't perpetuate a cycle with your own children and your own marriage, with friendships and other relationships, and with yourself, most importantly. Mm-hmm. There's no price tag you can put on on really empowering yourself and getting you back the real authentic you. So that's some of my helpful, probably put an emotion practice every day and see how that goes. Obviously gratitude is another great one um, to have a gratitude practice. I call it bookend, start your day and end your day Ooh, yeah. with five to 10 items of gratitude that helps your body be able to rest and digest and say, ah, oh, okay. And it can be little things like, oh, I'm so glad I have fingernails. I'm making this up. But <laughs> oh look, the, the leaves are falling outside or it, it doesn't have to be anything profound. Right. Yeah. And I think sometimes just
0: shifting back into that mode of gratitude when you're anxious or overwhelmed, it can it, it's a muscle, right? Like you the more you practice gratitude, the faster you're able to shift into into gratitude in a And a moment that may be overwhelming or you may be angry. So I love that you suggest starting your day and ending it with gratitude.
1: Yeah. And especially with the breakup, um, you know, it's hard to find gratitude or Mm. when we're in grief. It's really hard when we're in pain to find the gratitude and giving yourself permission to say, you know, it's okay for me to have my feelings and I'm going to try to find the gratitude because you can do both. It's not an either or. I love that so much. Where
0: can our audience go to connect with you further and learn more about how they can
1: begin their healing process? Absolutely. If they want if you, anybody listening wants a free five-day journal, it's a prompt that I give clients, and you can start right here, right now. It's absolutely free. You can go to Kristen K R I S T E N D, as in dog voice b o i c e dot com. Just put your um, email in there. I won't inundate you with all these emails, but it's just (laughs) to get you the prompt. So you get a little two minute video with the journal prompt that you can begin this work right now. So that's first. Second, if you want to do social media, um, Kristen D Boyce is how you find me on uh, Facebook and Instagram and all the platforms.
0: I love it. Kristen, I know with this information, our audience can begin their healing process. And as you know, that is so powerful. Thank you so much
1: for joining me today and sharing your light. Thank you so much. Also, I forgot to mention Close the Chapter podcast. Oh, yes. About all of of these topics. Yes.
0: Uh, I I was diving into that last night on the love language one. I was like, ooh.
1: Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. I so enjoyed
0: being with you today. And Thank you, Kristen. After Kristen and I finished recording, I asked her if she'd be interested in coming back for an episode about how to grow your relationship when it may seem to have hit a standstill. Kristen graciously agreed and she'll be back again in February. I've posted direct links to Kristen's website, social channels, and podcasts on this week's episode notes found on mindbizlife.com and as a side note I binge listen to Kristen's podcast it's so good like so so good definitely go and check that out and if you're getting down with my fuel your life Friday episodes I'll see you back here on Friday and as always I'll also be back next week for a regular episode but until then remember every level of life is an opportunity to grow be well my friend